What y'all think? Y'all like that one? Is that a keeper? So um, one of the things that pastors face that we're not quite prepared for is a lot of times people ask us questions and they ask us questions because they think we've got it all together. But if you're brand new to Second Chance, the thing I try to tell people in this church is, is um, I'm, I'm not just like you. I'm, I'm way more messed up. I'm way more messed up than you. And so um, as a, we, we've got a great, great, awesome children's ministry here. If you've got your kid in children's ministry, you know. I mean, how many of you, how many of you are parents? You are a parent. Okay, yeah, okay. So, so one of the things that people ask me is they, they're like, how do you raise godly children? And I always tell them, I don't know. And I'm not saying that to try to be humble. I really don't know. Karis, my daughter, is about to be 15, um, but I like but the biggest thing I've contributed to her life is she gets to go to therapy because of me, probably. That's, a, that's about the biggest contribution I've made. And so I was like, I want to talk about raising godly kids, but I can give you principles and concepts. And then several months ago, I was listening to a podcast by some of my friends over in the UK, and um, and it was a podcast, by, it was five sons doing a podcast about their parents. And uh, I listened to this whole podcast, and it's amazing, because Gary and Heather Snozel have been friends of mine for years and years and years. But here's what, and, and we're going to talk to them about a lot of things, but here's what's just, in my mind, just blows my mind. They've got five sons, all five love Jesus, and are working in a church. I mean, five for five. I don't know anybody that's batting a thousand. So, so I was like, you know what? Instead of just talking about some concepts that I found on an internet article, I want to talk to some people that have actually gone through the struggle of raising children, and, and we're not, some of y'all are like, I don't have any kids, this is going to suck. No, we're going to talk about way more than that, but, but, but they, they, are, they have been really great friends who have stood with me through some incredibly difficult times. They have an amazing, amazing testimony. They've got some amazing things going on in their lives, and I just wanted the opportunity for our church to hear from Gary and Heather Snozel. So Gary and Heather, would y'all come up and join us? Would y'all let them know, would y'all let them know that we are so happy here at Second Chance to see them? So you, uh, you have a seat, it's so good to see y'all. Now, they flew in on Friday and then yesterday, we, we hung out. But before y'all came to the house, yesterday, what, what did you just randomly decide to do on a whim? Where, where did y'all go yesterday? We had a great morning. By the way, hello from England. <laughs> Hope you can understand me. We went to, we thought we'd treat ourselves and go to the jockey lot. Yes. <laughs> We've never been before, but I think we'll go again. <laughs> And I actually bought something. Oh, you didn't tell me that. What'd you yeah. buy? Uh, well, I bought a peach. A peach. <laughs> a peach. And a Peppa Pig caravan. A trailer. Is that what you call them here? Yes. Yes. <laughs> what, what was the most interesting thing about the jockey oh. lot, though? It was the people. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. 
it was, was like it was, we've been sort of around markets in Turkey, um, in the Middle East, in sort of um, India. This was a whole other culture. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, I, w I was there just sort of amazed. I mean, you have a rich culture here in Anderson. And I just underestimated how, how much richness you have. So, yeah, we just, yeah. we did spend a lot of time just with our mouths open, taking it all in. And uh, we, we had a, a very impressionable time. It was very entertaining. Very entertaining. So you said you saw a lot of ponytails and beards. Yes. And those were the guys. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so cool. Just to, they were telling me about that yesterday, and and they said uh, you you actually could have bought a pigeon where you bought the peach. So that's yeah, kind of yeah. There fast. was chickens and geese and dogs, and I think I saw a donkey at one point. <laughs> You don't have, have nothing like that in the UK. We have farmers markets that sell cows and sheep. But nothing like that? No, not sort of raccoons and things. They were like, <laughs> they were like animals I've never seen before. I mean, I was interested. Well, it's, uh, you, so I went about a year ago, um, I, I, you and I started talking about this book that you were going to release called Firestarters. Yeah. And then Perry, can I interrupt you? Yeah, come on. Perry always interrupts people, so uh, I don't interrupt you. Yeah, just to say what an honor it is for us to be here. Before we get cracking in, I just want to say how incredible it is for us to be here, because we, we're going to share with you. But just want to shout out um, our love for your pastor here, Pastor Perry, Shannon. Uh, we, I mean, we've journeyed for about ten years now. We've been in the journey. And it has been like a wild journey the last 10 years. But what, what Perry has done and stood by us has been the closest friend to us, to our family, to our boys. Uh, we're not just coming in here and there's some loose connection. We have a deep heartfelt connection with Perry for Second Chance Church for you guys. I remember, I remember the moment when you actually messaged me and said, I've got the name for the church. I mean, we, we were sort of going through the whole process with him and had the message. And he said, it's going to be Second Chance Church. And I remember that moment thinking, wow, this is birthing vision. And we're, we're just sort of blown away to be here for the first time with you. And like this is a reality, it's a reality of the vision and uh, lives are changing every day because of this vision. But I just want to shout out to my brother, my friend, and just thank you for everything you've done for inviting us. We love you, Pete. <laughs> Sorry. It's... Okay, let's, uh, let's just pray and go home. That was amazing. Um, so uh, thank you, G. I wasn't quite expecting that. I'll be ready for the next service. Um, uh, something, something's in my eye, I think. Let me get that out. Um, so Gary and Heather have five sons, and uh, we got a picture we're going to throw up of their, their boys. There they are, five. Now, out of all of them, I, I want to make known that the guy on the far right, that's Luke, he's the only single one, right? That's, that's true. Okay, you'll have yeah. some, if, so if you want Luke's information, <laughs> probably find him on social media. Um, and then, uh, where, where's George? George is 
second from the, if you're looking at it, second from the left, he's getting married in September. September. Yeah. And so you've got five boys, and how many grandchildren do you have? Five. Five grandchildren. You guys have been married for how long? Uh, 38 years this year. 38 years this year. So you got married when Heather was two. <laughs> yeah. We were pretty young, yeah. Yeah, Actually, yeah. Actually, he's my toy boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> how did you guys meet like what like how did you guys meet tell a little bit about that story because that's kind of fascinating it was actually in a drama group called binders together in a church yeah mm -hmm. and uh, it was where all the churches all the youth get, came together and uh, we had to at one point be in the valley of the dry bones and so we were lying there on the floor with you know looking like dry bones, <laughs> trying to, and... Um, and then I saw her bones. <laughs> <laughs> and our eyes caught across the crowded valley of the dry bones. Yeah. And, yeah, and that was it. But he was only 19, so when he asked me out, I was like, do you know how old I am? And he was like, yes, I do. <laughs> so... And it didn't stop him. So you guys dated, and then um, how long was it before you got married? Uh, about a year. About a year. Now, so did you guys meet? Like, were you immediately start pastoring, or was there? How did you? How did you get into? How did you get into pastoring a church? Yeah. So my father was a pastor, and I was at Bible college. So I went to Bible college for three years. We got married in the second year, so we were at college together for two years. Then we came home because you were pregnant with our first uh, son, Josh. And we went home, and I, I worked for my father. He had a business as well, so I worked for my father for the first year. And we just ran a small group. And we did that for the church, but we just had a heart to pioneer church. There was something in our hearts to want to pioneer. And the town that we were in had no sort of lively church. There was no witness. So we went to our leadership team, and we said, do you know what? We want to we wanna start. I mean, we must have been crazy. We were there like... We're volunteering to start a church. Will you send us? They said, take a year out and pray about it. Come back in a year. So we did. We took a year out, understood what it was to um, submit to our leadership team. And we said, look, we're going to do that. Came back in a year and said, look, we're more ready than ever. Will you send us? So they sent us. Back then, we had an overhead projector. It's like one of those things with the yes. acetate. And the, yes. Yeah, we had one of those. And they, the kids used to sort of do it. They were the ones that put the, the sheet on. Sometimes the words were upside down, back to front. <laughs> and a tambourine. And because we had no worship. So that, those were our church planting tools. Off we went with six people. That's how we started. And, and right now, you, how many locations do you have all over the world? We have 36 locations in 15 nations. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. I, I want you to get that last part. 36 locations in how many? I think it's about 15 nations. 15 nations all over the world. So, yeah. so you're, building, you're building a church, and you had five boys. So yes. obviously Heather could not keep her hands off of you. And, um, and I had a – yeah, it, it's true. And, and so – so as you're, as you're building this ministry, which is not easy, you're raising five boys. They, and they, I mean, your boys are just great. They're, they're, they're all just 
good, solid men. Um, how, how'd you do it? How'd you raise these, how'd you raise these guys to, to love Jesus and love the church and want to actually work in it? We're still trying to work that out, Perry. <laughs> <laughs> but when we started the church, our second-born Luke, he was 10 days old when we started church. So we had a two-year-old and a 10-day-old little boy. And in a way, we never saw it as an obstacle. We saw it as an opportunity. So they were very much part of the whole journey from the beginning. But I think the one who has all the secrets is Heather, so I'll pass to her. Know about that, um, but we did have a statement up in our home because we wanted our boys to always be on the journey with us, mm -hmm. and it wasn't just something we did on a Sunday. It was a lifestyle, and uh, we used to have this. Um, I I scripted it on the wall, and it was as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right. and uh, and we always just said yes to Jesus. So we did that as a family together, and the boys took ownership quite young, and they always wanted to be volunteering and uh, on team for something as, as soon as we were able to get volunteers they were like I want to do it I want to help and um, and so I think just we had to show them how to love God how to love the church and how to love people that's that's the bare bones of it because and they're only going to learn that from you and your example because we're here we're all here aren't we to reflect Jesus on this earth and the first person we do that with is our children. We have to reflect Jesus to them and be Jesus to them. And I think that's the greatest way for them to learn how to love God, how to love the church, and to be passionate about that. You know, because it's something we, we would say we would die for, but we, we will also live for that. We live for the church, we live for God, and we're passionate about it. And I think our boys saw that in us, and uh, they wanted to follow that. I, yeah. I think the big, the big challenge that we realize is that children, they see everything, not just what you do on a Sunday, getting to church on Sundays. I mean, there was one time we actually forgot one of them, left them at home because we were like pastoring. We had five kids. We had one of those like vehicles you put all the kids in and you're hoping they're all in the car sometimes because it's like, have you got the kids? Have you got the shoes on? And we, we got to church and then it was only half an hour later, one of them turned up all wet because it was raining, had to walk from home and said, dad, you forgot me. Which, <laughs> so I gotta say right now that we, we've had some big failures, you know, we had to have a counseling session over rejection there, but he, he came through well. Which one was it? That was Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, lots of funny things, but seriously, one of the big things of having children, we know they're a gift from the Lord. Yeah, we know what scripture says, every child's a gift from the Lord. But with a gift, there comes responsibility. And I think what we realize that God had put in our hands, our five boys, five sons, to steward that gift. And the trouble is we don't always see it that we got to steward it well. And I think we have this huge responsibility, not just to steward them well in their health and their education, but spiritually. That was probably foremost for us. It was like, do you know what? God's put in our hands these five little miracles, and we believe they're going to change the world. And from it, we put that in, into them, not in an arrogant way, but in a way of, do you know what? God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for you. 
and we're going to do everything we can to set you up and show you who the real Jesus is. And that's what Heather was saying is, you know, we're that reflection. So the way we are in our marriage, the way we speak to each other, the way that we are around church and the many challenges and the pain that we had in the early days of building church, we made sure we protected the boys. We always talked about the celebrations and the passion of like serving God rather than the hurt that we sometimes experienced. That happened behind closed doors because we didn't want that to put our boys off. And when they were older, we talked some of those things through, but we realized to steward what God had put in our hands was such a big thing. So you were, you were speaking, like you were, because I've heard you talk to your boys as they've been older, but like from the, from the time they were children, you were speaking life into them. You were, God has a plan. God has a purpose. God wants to, that you were, you were intentionally speaking life into your kids. Yeah, I think the, you know, the scripture that says those three things, faith, hope, love, they were something that we modeled and we built. So we always, we always spoke faith, this thing of, do you know what? With God, things are impossible. We always, we always spoke that to them from a young age. There's no limitation with God. There's this thing of, do you know what? You, you can go and change the world. That's why they're all over the world right now in different places. Literally all over the world. Yeah. And we're, you know, we, we've said, look, don't, don't hold back. Don't see things as limitation. But with God, things are an opportunity. And anything is possible. And then the, uh, the whole hope element is like, do you know what? Always choose hope. Because life has this way of removing hope and disappointments. And said, look, discouragement will come. But if you manage discouragement, you can have hope. And with it, we went on to sort of, I think, build within them a like a resilience. Right. So we used to have like this thing called the uh, endurance games. So when they were little, we used to do games with them where we would like see how long you can last. Because I just think there's something really powerful for every parent uh, to build character into our children. And that character is, is to do a discipline. And discipline is, is all about, hey, I'm not going to give up. How many of us have had a great dream, but we gave up on the great dream? And I don't want my children to give up on a great dream. So I'm going to build in this thing called resilience. And we did it through sort of games. Like, you know, how long can you hold your head underwater in ice cold water? You know, and all the five boys would line up and it would all be a competition. How long could you have a rat on your stomach? How long can you have ice cubes down your boxes? And, a bit, and it bred this like competitive nature in all our boys, even the very youngest. He's there like, how long do I have to keep going for? Because they were all saying, come on, you can do it. And it, I, I know it's, it's like, it sounds funny, but I knew I had to build this character in them. I've said, do you know what? Snow's elves never give up. And this wasn't, a, again, about being proud. It was about, you're going to have to pursue God's call. That's going to mean you don't give up in the face of adversity. It's part of the call. It's part of what we need in our world, that we have children that are going to grow up to be human beings that don't give up in marriage, in relationship, in their church, in their business, in their calling, in their future. And this is huge. This is something we built in. And I think that's what we want to see for our kids. Well, I think, I think one of the coolest things that you've done for your kids um, is you guys like you've been married 38 years and uh, we were talking about this. In fact, Ricky brought this up last night that every time I hang out with you guys, you, you're 
you seem like you're more in love. It, it's just, it's like you, you guys are holding hands and you guys are giddy and you guys are making funny jokes. Like, like how, how have you done that? Because you've been married for 38 years and from just from knowing you the past decade or so, you guys just seem to be getting closer and closer. How, how do you do that? Should I go? <laughs> I, I think it's just from, um, we, we, over the, all the years, even when the boys were small and things were difficult and it was chaotic and mad in our house sometimes, um, we always committed to have a date night every week. And I think it was spending time together and being with each other and just doing everything together and being, you know, like passionate about certain things together, cooking together, traveling together. Um, yeah, we just love being together, don't we? And I think being... Um, yeah, putting each other first, really. And he's so romantic. He's, he's, I, he I, is. He's, he's done so many amazing surprises for me. And I think remain spontaneous. Yeah. I think one of the big things is don't take each other for granted. You know, you're going to fight through things. We fought through different things with our boys, for our boys. We almost lost one of our boys. And uh, you've got you to fight back to back instead of against each other. And I think there's something very powerful about how you learn to fight together and, and, and not taking each other for granted. And so that's why I want to be spontaneous. That's why I want to come up with things that surprise my, my life, the first person in my life, this amazing woman. And I've realized, I had this revelation that to raise our children, I can raise our boys and put into practice all these things about raising great young men for God. But if I'm not loving my wife like Christ loves the church, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not reflecting Jesus. If I'm somehow just sort of getting used to her and I'm, I'm not honoring her in the way that I speak to her in front of the boys. I mean, there's been times I've apologized to my boys where I've had to say, I spoke to your mum in the wrong way. I think there's something about recognizing as men, I'm not always going to get it right. I've apologized to my boys about speaking to them in the wrong way, as well as being that authority in their lives. And it's showing that, do you know what? I make mistakes, <laughs> but I'm always going to be ready to come and humble myself in that. And I think the way that I am with Heather, with my wife, scripture says all about it. This is an example of the way that we love the church. And so I can't live that unless I really do this properly. And so every day I want to be grateful for this woman. When I get it wrong, I'm going to put it right. And, and the amazing thing is as well, I think that breeds such security in the, in the kids as well because they see that and it's such an example to them and it makes them feel secure and loved. And they then go on to do it with their wives. So I'm super... <laughs> I'm super convicted right now. It's just, wow. That was, was that good? That was good. We're not even close to done yet. Um, one of the things I was telling Gary and Heather yesterday is I was like, you're, you're, nothing that their boys do surprises me. Nothing. They're, they're, in, they're crazy. All five of them are crazy, and they're insane. And I can say that because I know each one of them. And, uh, like, for example, Luke was just, Luke, what was Luke just doing recently? He's He's currently in Australia, so he was, he was spearfishing. 
Mm -hmm. Got a big grouper. Mm -hmm. And then on the way up, a seven-foot shark went over the top of him. <laughs> yeah. And he was by himself, but he was out there in Australia doing that. One of the things that we have in our church, we have a D DNA, which is like a code that we live by all of our church around the world. So we don't allow the culture um, of that perhaps country or community to dictate the kingdom. So the DNA is about our tribe and our family. And with that, that DNA, one of them is called LFDE. It's one of my favorites. And the boys all know this. It's called live full, die empty. And what it means is this uh, DNA that I've written for our church is, guys, you gotta live life full. Because there's potential in every one of you. The God-given potential. See, when I die, I want to die empty of the potential that God put in me. And the, I think the worst tragedy is in our graveyards is unfulfilled potential of people that never lived their greatest life. And guys, this has got to disturb you. And I, I, like I've raised our boys knowing this. I said, you've got to live your biggest life. You've got to take the risk. So when my son gets up and goes to Africa, East Africa, to a, to a nation there with, without money to start church, because we didn't have the money to, to sort of send with him. But he says, Dad, I'm going to go because God's calling me. I said, what about this and what about that? He said, no, you've called me to live life full and I need to release the potential that's in me. And what's happening over there now, some years later, is incredible. Because when we live that potential, guys, don't go to your graves with regret. Don't sort of blame that on anyone else, whether that's a church or whether it's your partner. Guys, all of us, parents, again, you know, we can sometimes look at the way our parents were with us and use it as an excuse to be parents to our children. And I was determined to say, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to learn those lessons and I'm going to be a parent for my kids the best that I can be because of that potential. And, and even George, he, um, so this is the one who's in Kigali. He went through brain surgery. Do you remember that, Perry? You prayed with us and supported us through that time as well. And uh, as they were putting him to sleep on the you know, operating table for 10 hours, they said, what are you going to do when you come out of this? And uh, he said, I'm going to go and change the world. And that's exactly what he's doing. The greatest tragedy is the unmet potential and the great, that's, I, I'm, that's mm, that just messed up my entire week um, in a good way. So we're talking about Jordan, and this is what I want to share with you. Um, uh, if you, some of you remember when we were in the liquor store, uh, I, I stood up and said um, that we were giving to a church, and I, I and I, I said there, there's, I basically said there's somewhere in the world, and I can't go into a lot of details right now, um, but you, you need to know that your giving is impacting churches all over the world. Well, the church that we were giving to is the one that Jordan was planting in East Africa, and the reason we had to be kind of silent about it is, um, well, I'll let you take it from, from there, Gary. Yeah, so J Jordan went to this East African country and within a few weeks of arriving, with the, with the challenge of not really having that resource, he had a small team from our church. They were on the ground about to start advertising and the local government shut down 6,000 churches. 
just all of a sudden shut down. So it's forbidden to meet. So suddenly we've got guys on the ground. So they had to go underground and start meeting in the home. And this is when we had to come up with a strategy of how we're going to reach people. So it's, it's very sort of dangerous. They've been interrogated a couple of times at the beginning. But I called P. I just had it on my heart to call P and say, do you know what? We need to set up like a, a building that looks like a business. <laughs> but really what we're doing is we're running church inside the business. So it's got a face of business. And we have people come with their laptops and they work in the sort of, say, the office study areas. But what we do is we're building church. We have an academy there that we train up and raising up leaders. And then we start. So anyway, I said this to Perry and then Perry came back. He said, we're going to support you. Second Chance is going to support you. And you guys covered the first year's rent on that building, right? And guys, this is what happened. People started coming in coming to meet the real Jesus. They started coming in and joining. And that church, that building today, this morning, is full. It's full of people worshiping, following Jesus, right? Because you guys said, we're going to invest into that. Some country you might not know the name of, and I have to, I can't let you know because just... Uh, it could be dangerous for the guys there, but it's growing. But not only there, they've planted out from there already, and they're already seeing an amazing things. Two hours away, they've um, they're just seeing a whole other church just beginning to like grow and expand. And now they're just about to plant into another nation where there's a civil war going on in September. And I, again, just be aware of this. Everyone that gives in second chance, when you give. <laughs> And what you have given is changing lives. And if only I could like get some of those people up here and just like for you to meet them, you would be blown away by what Jesus is doing in their life. That like they didn't have a resource, but now they have a place where they are building, where it's a place of hope, where we've actually found a way now of possibly registering the church where we can become official. And it's a miracle. But it started with the people of God saying, we, we're going to like invest in this. And that's what your finance has, has done. So I just want to thank everyone that gives in Second Chance. Thank you for trusting us. Thanks for investing in us. Well, I, I, you said something, and I don't want to skip over that. I, I hope you heard that. They're getting ready to plant a church in a nation that is going through a civil war. Not, not something that happened years ago. Like one of their planters, we were talking about him last night. He's going into a nation where a civil war is currently going on and is going to plant a church. Yeah, he's, he's a refugee from this country and he has a refugee status. He's our pastor. And he's felt the call to go back to his country so he would lose his refugee status and safety because his tribe was, was the one that was persecuted. So he's going back, and he says, I just need to take up my cross and go. And guys, it, it, is, it humbles you, because we can come and play church sometimes. We can come along and go through the motions. But I'm telling you, when you see the beautiful church and the people in our church who have been given a second chance, you know, who have been given this opportunity of saying, I'm going I'm to live my life full. And if I die on the way, that's worth the cost for what Jesus did for me.
it's it's funny. So so Gary reached out to me and and told me he was releasing a book, and uh, you self published this book called called Firestarters. Um, and by the way, just so you know, if you wanna get if you wanna get that book today, we have it in the lobby. Um, all, all second chance doesn't get any of the money. It goes towards um, this ministry. Gary and Heather will be right out back, and they'll be signing books if you're interested in getting one. But the reason I bring that up is because the gentleman that's that's leaving and going back to this country where there's civil war. He was reading the book and he read the he read the chapter about take up your cross and and it and it kind of messed it kind of messed him up a little bit. So that that whole chapter, I mean, I remember that message we're talking about it, but talk about the whole take up your cross and just the just the genesis of that that chapter in that book and why you wrote it. Yes, yeah, so first of all, there is a warning with the book. The book will, it could mess you up. Guys, <laughs> I've, now, I'm not a big reader. Anyone else isn't a big reader of books? Guys, I wrote this book for people that perhaps didn't like reading much. So although it covers 30 years of our journey, I've split it into small chapters that are just so easy, bite-sized chapters, but each have, I believe, a profound message within them. It covers our stories. It covers our journey with our children church planting, the miracles, the lows and the struggles. We've been so honest in there, but it will spark faith in you. And I think it will bring something to life in you. And even when I talk about, you gotta live full. Some of you, that potential has gone to sleep. I believe this book, because we've already seen it. You know, we, we've we got someone who is in the embassy in Baghdad who had this book sent by their mother who has been away from Christ for years, read the book, and they've come back and recommitted their life, turned up at our church and said, my mother sent this book, and I've come back home. I'm, t I'm telling you, and if you buy it, you've got to give it to someone who isn't walking with Jesus because you will find in this book it restores hope. It really does like bring it, redeems those people that thought it's over. They thought they'd had their chance, but do you know what? God's going to move through it. So answering the question... Uh, Perry, the taking up the cross, this whole chapter for me was God spoke to me about some of the complaining I did about sort of perhaps the running church. Running church for 34 years is sort of pretty challenging. And through it, you can sometimes have a little moan to God saying, heck, this is a, like this cross you've given me. And God turned it all around and he said, no, that's your cross. It's not anyone else's cross. He said, you need to be grateful for the cross I gave you. And he reminded me of when he spoke to Peter and said, you're going to need to take up your cross. And I suddenly had this revelation that God's given me this cross, right, to plant churches around the world, to raise five sons, to be married to this woman. Like, our, it's all included in the call of God. We all have a cross to carry. Your cross is different to everyone else's. Either you can put your cross down, and some of us decided to put our cross down because it was too heavy. Some of us got disillusioned and we put it down. Some of us right now are living more for ourselves than for Jesus. Wow. And there is something powerful about coming and realizing he's called us. What did he say? If you want to be my disciples, if you want to be my followers, not just believe in me, but you've got to take up your cross daily. Yeah. And this is a daily thing because some days I have a good day, other days I don't feel like it. It's not on Sundays. It's every day. This is about being a believer and a disciple of Jesus every day that you live. This is how you live full and die empty. There's something about living full to that potential by taking up your cross and following him.
And it just says, look, you, you've got to live for him, but love the cross he's given you because no one else can carry that cross, only you. And I think even today, I think there are some crosses that Jesus is like saying, will you take up your cross again? Take up that call again. Maybe when you were younger, maybe what's to come, will you take up the cross and follow me? I just, I just want to, I want to like punch the devil. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm Jesus, go. Um, yeah, I, I love the book. I was, I was reading it, and then I, I read the chapter about how we connected. It's kind of funny when you're reading the book and you see your own name. You're like, hey, whoa, what was that? Anyway, um, and we can. That's that whole story is phenomenal. We'll save that maybe for another time. But we're getting close to the end of our service, and I'm, I'm going to throw something at you that you, I didn't tell you I was going to do, and it's going to be kind of fun. Um, we're going to do an invitation in just a second, um, but. But you, you've kind of seen this journey of second chance happen. You've, you've kind of seen it just come to life. And one of the things that I love about Gary is, is Gary and Heather is they're both very um, prophetic. And when I say prophetic, I don't mean like they're like, I'm getting a word. There's somebody here with back pain because I just got 80% of the room. 80% of the room, like, oh, my God, that's me. Um, it's not like the weird thing. Um, they, 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 when I say they're prophetic, they speak life. They've, they've spoken life into their, their sons. They, they speak life into each other. And so, Gary, I just thought it would be really awesome for our church if, if you could just take a second and, and speak life over us and, and just share from your heart what you see the future of Second Chance looking like. Okay, thanks for the preparation. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm up for it, come on. For us to be here, uh, this is a heart thing, you know, to be involved with the journey. It's not just arriving today in the U.S., you, you guys have a place in our hearts the whole time. And so with what we've been through in the world through you know, the whole COVID thing, there is obviously so much negativity and impact. But right now, I believe there's like a vacuum. God always uses the crisis to bring salvation. He did it through the flood. He'll do it through, through life. There will be like a crisis in the earth. What does he do? He gets the church to stand up. And he says, here's Jesus. And right now, Second Chance Church, and even the way that you're tracking, and the fact that in a way you're quite young, you know, it's like you're sort of, everything's new, the building, everything's new. You are positioned exactly the right time for this moment for what God is about to do. I think there's going to be a pouring out in the earth of the Holy Spirit, right? And again, not in ways that you expect. I think there is something fresh about the new thing God is doing because he always moves on the back of where there has been loss. What does he always do? The Holy Spirit is attracted to where there is lostness because he's the one that comes and fills. And I think right now, you as a church, you're positioned exactly at the right time for something to move. I'm fascinated, fascinated by the whole fact that it's, it's Anderson known as, as the electric city and I just think of the you know again just that whole thing of the light that you're going to be a light for this city and beyond and I think again I, okay 
<laughs> I don't think that you can keep your eyes just on this area. I think God wants to raise up more from, from here and actually send from this place. I think you're going to be a sending place. I think you're going to send people from here into other parts, whether that's other parts of the States, but I'd say the world. What you have can't be contained just here. If Jesus is really Jesus, you can't just be a second chance church for, say, the Anderson area. It will overflow and it will increase. And so I want to say to you to expect, what are you doing to expect that? What are you, what are you doing to be ready to see that vision unfold? Because I think God has so many people to reach and he is just looking for people who have the understanding that it's all about redemption. It's all about redemption. This is redemption central. This is where his light is, and we've got to take this light out. And so I believe we're going to live in some of the most exciting years that we have ever seen in the coming days, and you're going to be right in the middle of it. Could I just add something to that? Um, I really believe as well that, like, this room is full of people, but there's people in all of you. There's people in you that you are yet to reach. There's people in you yet to be born. And, you know, God is going to use each and every one of you to reach someone. And if everybody in this room reaches one person, you're going to double straight off. So I really want to commission you you know God commissions us to go and reach and to love people and there's people that nobody else can reach except for you and so I just want to say go and invite go and share your story your story is powerful the word of your testimony is powerful and God is mighty to say through that How many of y'all would just like to, to adopt Gary and Heather and just, just keep them here? How many, how, yeah, we're just not, not sending them back to the UK. Um, uh, it's been an honor to have you on the stage today. You guys are heroes of mine. Shannon and I love you so much. We're so thankful for you. I, I'm a, I'm a, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for these two standing with me in my, in my darkest days. They, they stood with me, they, they supported me. Um, and I was laughing about it last night. I was like, they know more about me than Google does. And they still, they still stood with me. So I'm super thankful for them. And, and can we just let them know how thankful we were that they were with us today. Can we pray? Heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know about you, but man, that what Gary said, live full, die empty. I can't let that go. That, that struck a chord in my heart. And it challenged me that I needed to be a better risk taker, that I need to take greater steps of faith. Maybe you're here this morning and whether you're in the room or you're online, and that's, that struck you. Live full, die empty. 
maybe like some of it, we, we maybe some of us we laid down our cross and and what Gary and Heather said just challenged us to pick that back up. If that's you, if that's you, just make where you're standing right now your private altar. Just ask Jesus, Jesus, show me how to live full and die empty. Others of us, you're like, man, they're, they're amazing people. What is it? What is it about them? I'll tell you what it is about them. It's, it's Jesus living in them. Jesus living in them is the difference maker. They would both tell you that, that Jesus is the reason they're able to stand and say what they say and do what they do. And some of you saw that this morning. Some of you saw it and you're like, I want what they've got. And if that's you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, but you want, to, you want to become the person that God has called you to be and live to your fullest potential and you want to give your life to Christ today, then right where you stand right now, right in this room, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. I just want you to pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross rose from the grave to pay for my sins. Jesus, right now, come into my life and take over. I give everything to you. In your name I pray. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed all around the room, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come in your heart, if you just made that decision. Do me a favor and put your hands straight up in the air because I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you all over the room, all over the room if you're online. Just hands straight up in the air, hands straight up in the air. Father, thank you so much, God, that you are saving people. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you are changing lives. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the reminder to live full and die empty. Thank you so much, Jesus, for Gary and Heather. We pray a blessing over them, a blessing over their ministry, a blessing over their children, a blessing over their grandchildren. God, that they literally would be men and women that would change the world. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. And all God's people said, amen. Did you enjoy today? Was that not amazing? Hey. Once again, Gary and Heather are going to be right back here for your first time or swing by and hang out. And next week is going to be awesome too. I love you guys. God bless. Have a great week.